Open your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of John, chapter number 19. John, chapter number 19. Uh, We are in the second week of a series called Jesus Heals. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus Heals. Say it like you believe it. Jesus Heals. We started this series last week. Obviously, this is a series on healing. And this is a series that I'm going to take some time on and spend several weeks because it's, this is a topic that I think a lot of people really are in the dark in. Um, I think that, that we go through seasons of life where we believe that Jesus heals and that He can heal all and that He will heal all. And then there's other times where we go through seasons and we see people that don't get healed and we see certain things happen and it causes us to question whether or not it's God's will to heal everyone. And so... Uh, We want to spend some time on this topic and see what the Bible has to say about it. Last week as we began this series, I taught you that it was God's will to heal everyone. Regardless of other people's negative experiences, regardless of even your negative experiences that you've had in your life, God's will is to heal everyone. And we looked at the Word of God to validate that and to confirm that. That's the source. That's, that's the source of truth. Amen? That's where we should always look. And once again today, that is going to be our source for this topic. So John chapter 19, beginning at verse number 28. Now give you a little bit of context. Jesus has completed His ministry on this earth. He has been arrested. He has been beaten. Right now, when we pick up this reading, He is, he is about to die. He's on the cross. His arms have been pierced. His feet have been pierced. The crown's on His head. He's breathing His last breaths and he's saying his final words and here's what happens verse number 28 Jesus knew that his mission was now what does it say finished very important if you mark in your Bibles mark that word Jesus knew that his mission was now finished Jesus knew that his mission was now finished so to fulfill scripture Jesus said I am thirsty A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. Watch this. When Jesus had tasted it, what did he say? He says, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and he released his spirit. Some translations say he gave up the ghost. That just simply means he died. Physically, he died. His spirit, which is, his, which is all of us, we're all eternal beings. That's the real us. When we die, our spirit goes to be somewhere, either heaven or hell. Jesus gave up the ghost. He died on the, on the cross. He said, it is finished. His spirit returns to the Father. But look at these words that he says. Jesus said, it is finished. He's talking about the mission that he was sent to do. He went about, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he he cast out evil spirits, he taught people that he was the only way to the Father, and then after his mission was over, he said, it is finished. When he said these words, this was not a cry of defeat, this was not a cry of, oh my goodness, I've failed because I've been arrested, I've been taken captive, and now my life is over. This was a shout of victory. This was a proclamation. He was saying, my work on this earth is over. I have accomplished, I have executed, I have fulfilled, I have completed everything that the Father sent me to fulfill. It is finished. That word finished there comes from a Greek word, teleo, which means to to end or to complete, to execute something, to conclude to finish. Jesus says, my work, this is important. I know I'm, I know I'm being redundant. I'm doing this on purpose. 
Jesus said, my work is finished. I'm done. It's over. Now look with me at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The Bible says this, The sun, S-O-N, which is not the, the sun that's in the sky. This is S-O-N. This is the sun. This is Jesus. He radiates God's own glory. Watch this. This is important regarding what I taught you last week. And He expresses the very character of God. You want to know what God's will is concerning sickness and disease? All you have to do is look at the ministry of Jesus. Because He expressed the very character of God. So what did He do when He encountered sick people? He healed them. He healed them all. So if you're questioning whether or not it's God's will to heal everyone, all you have to do is look at the ministry of Jesus because it says the Son radiates God's glory and He expresses the very character of God. So you want to know what God's will is regarding healing? All you got to do is look at the ministry of Jesus. He healed them all. Watch this. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sin, when, how did that happen? He died on the cross. He, he bled and died for, our, for the forgiveness of our sins. So when He had done that, He sat down. Everybody say, sat down. He sat down at the right, or in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This is very important. We have these, these words highlighted because these are words I would encourage you to mark in your Bible. He sat down. That word sat down or that phrase comes from a word that is kathizo, which means to sit down or to settle. If you've ever worked on a, on a big project or even a small project out in your backyard one Saturday afternoon, when you get finished, you go and you, you get you a big old glass of ice water or sweet tea, whatever it is, and you sit down. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of expressing that your work is finished. If you're not finished, your wife is going to look out the window and say, hey, you didn't get all of that fence stained. You need to get back out there. It's not finished yet. He sat down. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. This was simply a way of Him once again saying, it is finished. I have done my part and now I am seated at the right hand of the Father. This is so important. All of us have to have the knowledge that the work that Jesus came to do has been Finished. It has been completed. Jesus has completed His assignment. God has already done His part. Through Jesus, watch this, this, this is very important. Through Jesus, God has already done His part on this earth. He is not going to do another thing until the rapture of the church and until the tribulation period. God's work on this earth through Jesus has been Finished. And this is, this is a, a, a revelation. This is what you call a paradigm shift. This is a, a whole new way of thinking for maybe a lot of people in this room today. But this is something that if you're going to understand how healing works, you have to know this. Because when you discover that Jesus has already done His work, that God has already done His work, it will change the way that you perceive healing. It will change the way that you believe about healing. It will change the way that you pray for healing. And what I mean by that is that when we understand that God has already done His part, we will realize that anything that we get from God is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. It's very, very important. Anything that we get from God today is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. 
God has already done His part through Jesus. That's why Jesus says, it is finished. My work, the work that the Father has sent me to do, is over. So anything that we get from God is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. Let me ask you a question this morning. When was forgiveness provided for us? When, you guys are a little, little quiet, a little, little hesitant about answering. It's not a trick question. When was forgiveness provided for us? It was provided for us at the cross, wasn't it? Jesus bled and died. He shed His innocent blood so that we could be forgiven. So forgiveness was provided for us at the cross. When was healing provided for us? At the cross. God finished His work on this earth through Jesus at the cross. When I was saved, watch this, when I was saved, Jesus didn't have to come and do anything for me. He had already done what needed to be done 2,000 years ago at the cross. So when I got saved, it wasn't a matter of God doing something for me. God had already done something for me. I simply had to do my part to repent of my sin, confess Him as Lord, and then receive what He had already done. So forgiveness was provided thousands of years ago at the cross. And so when I access forgiveness, God doesn't have to come and do something. Well, another person got saved. I need to go save them. He's already saved us through Jesus. All we have to do is confess Him as Lord, repent of our sin, and receive what He has already done. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14 says this, Under the old covenant, which means before Jesus came and established the new covenant, under the old covenant, the priest would stand and minister before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. I don't really have time to go into what they would do, but before Jesus would come, they would offer animals as sacrifices and uh, that supposedly, or not supposedly, but they would offer animals as sacrifices to, to cover their sins uh, for a season. Okay, but all they were doing was covering their sins. They, they weren't, the sins weren't eradicated. What's we're saying here, they could never take away sin. Watch this, verse number 12. But our high priest, who is that? That's Jesus. He offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Look at this. How long was it good for? It was good for all time. And then what did he do? He sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now, what's he doing? Verse 13, there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. Verse 14, for by that one offering, one time, one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So his sacrifice was good for all time, which means that any time that I sin, any time that you sin, Jesus doesn't have to come back and do anything else to forgive us for that sin. His sacrifice was a one-time sacrifice that was good for all time. Past sins, present sins, future sins. And the way that we're forgiven of those sins is to simply receive what He has already done. Verse number 12 says that His sacrifice was good for all time. His death on the cross paid for all time. Sins. Aren't you thankful for that? 
Well, we sing a song, we sing a song, we sing it sometimes here occasionally, but paid it, um, what is it? Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. This is encouraging. If, you're, if the enemy is making you feel guilty, if the enemy is bringing um, condemnation into your life right now and you're thinking that you're a failure, you need to understand that Jesus has paid it all. All you have to do is repent and believe upon what He's already done for you. All of your sin. There's not one that's too big that God won't forgive. He's paid for it all. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Most of you know this. For by grace you have been saved... Through faith. I think a lot of times we, we leave out this phrase. We don't think about this. Well, I'm saved by grace. Yes, you are, but, but we're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Grace is a free gift. Forgiveness is a free gift. But the way that you get that is through faith. By, by believing, by, by receiving what Jesus has already done. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? By putting your faith in what Jesus has already... That when you say, I'm trusting in Jesus for my salvation, you are trusting in what He... In the sacrifice that He made for you. You are trusting that what Jesus did at the cross was enough for you. That's what you're trusting in. And you're doing that through faith. I believe that what Jesus has done for me is enough. I believe I am forgiven. I am a new creation in Christ. I'm believing that in faith because I believe in the finished work of the cross. I believe it was enough. God doesn't have to do something else when I, when I sin. And, and my sin may be bigger than the last time. God doesn't have to say, oh goodness, I've got to come up with another plan because Scott Finley has lost his mind. Jesus was enough. The same is true with healing. Our role is simply to receive what God has already done for us. It's one of the many benefits of being a child of God. Let me read Psalm 103, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His what? His benefits. And then He lists... Several benefits. We're going to read a couple of them. He says, here's one of the benefits. He forgives all your iniquities. He forgives all your sins. And He heals all your diseases. Healing, listen, healing is one of the many benefits of being a child of God. You're already Healed. And I know when I say that, some of you are going to think, oh, okay, wait, wait a second. You, you had me until you just said that right there. For many of you, it sounds crazy. And some of you this morning might be thinking, well, Scott, I've got a, got a doctor's report to, to prove that I am not healed. I have pain to prove that I'm not healed. I have arthritis to prove that I am not healed. But what I'm trying to teach you today is that regardless of what the natural facts are, the truth is that God has already given you what you need. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 3. The Bible says this, His divine power, speaking of Jesus, His divine power has given... To us, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has, or excuse me, who called us by His glory and virtue. Look at that, look at that phrase, has given. What does that mean? It's, it's past tense. He has already given it to us. 
Well, what is he given? He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The only thing that's missing, the only thing that's lacking really, is, is knowledge of what we already have. And this is, this, is, this is really key. And I don't want to get into what I want to teach you next week, but I do want to give you a, a little bit because you need to know this. This is why Paul talks about that our faith is a fight. It, he says, I have fought the good fight of faith. Faith is, is fighting, or the fighting the fight of faith is, is fighting for what is already yours that the enemy tries to steal from you. You ever notice how there's sometimes where you don't feel forgiven and the enemy will make you feel like a failure? He'll make you feel like that you're not saved. Is that just me? Or do y'all, do y'all have those, entertain those thoughts from time to time? And what do you have to do? You have to go to the Scripture that says, no, no, if I've given my life to Christ, I am a new creation. It's an identity, it's identity theft is really what's trying to happen. The enemy is trying to steal what, already, what you already have. But if you're not careful, you'll start believing what he says and you'll forget what God has already given you, what he's already done for you. And so the Bible is saying here that, that he has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We just need to know, have the knowledge of what we already have and what we have been given in Christ. And when you have the knowledge and you know that's mine, you won't let people take things from you. You won't let the enemy take things from you because you go, that's mine. I hope you're tracking with me this morning. I love this quote from Andrew Womack. I listened to a lot of his stuff when it, uh, regarding uh, identity and, and healing. He says this, he says, most Christians believe that God can do anything, but many of them don't believe he has done very much. They live in a constant state of trying to get God to do something. They are begging God to move through revival, through healing, through prosperity, etc. They run from meeting to meeting trying to get something from God, but they've already got it. Now this, I'm telling you, this will, ch- this will challenge your thinking. This will change the way that you believe about things. This will change the way that you pray for things. Here's another scripture that says that we've already been given uh, uh, everything. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who has blessed us, that's past tense, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Has blessed mean that, means that He has already done it. In other words, you already have it. So asking God to give you something that you already have is really counterproductive. And so many times, there's a scripture that says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I think this is, this is one subject that it can be applied to. When we, don't, when we don't understand what we already have in Christ, we don't know what to claim. We don't know what to lay hold to. We don't know where to run in the Word. We, we just were in the dark. And so we we're asking God to do something that He's already done for us has blessed, has given. This will change your life when you get a hold of this. Instead of, when you get sick, instead of saying, God, I'm sick, would you please come and heal me? Now your prayer will be more like 2,000 years ago when Jesus took the stripes on his back and was nailed to a cross. He did that for my healing. I am healed. And now that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in me. Sickness has no hold in my life. It has no right to be here. 
Instead of trying to move towards victory, now you're coming from a place of victory. You already know you've, you've won. It's yours. It is finished. Once again, anything that we get from God is a matter of us receiving and not God doing. Last week, we looked at all the places in Scripture where Jesus encountered sick people. And once again, what did He do with those sick people when He encountered them? He healed them. How many of them did He heal? All of them. This is very important. I, you, need to know, you need to know what your Bible says, okay? Well, Scott, I heard a teaching one time that was really good that says it's not God's will to, do, to heal everyone. I, I don't care what you heard. What, what does the Bible say? This is our source of truth. What, every, every sick person that Jesus came in, in, in contact with, He healed them all. And we just read a while ago that He was the express image of God. He expressed the character of the Father. So what is God's will concerning healing? For all to be healed. So what does this tell us? He's a healer. His will is for all to be healed. Well, pastor, I don't really know about that. Things were different in the days of Jesus. After all, He was, you know, He's God in the flesh. But He was also, He took on the role of a man. He was one of us. He's different now. Well, I beg to differ because Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. He's still a healer. Jesus executed God's will. Now, listen, this is, this is where I may lose a bunch of you. Now, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. Jesus executed God's will when He was on this earth. His work is now finished. Now we know God's will is to heal everyone. So whose responsibility is it to heal? It's ours. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. We read this last week. I want to read it again this week. One day, Jesus called together His 12 disciples. And, and what did He do? He gave them... These were human beings. Okay? He gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Yes, it's on the screen, but this comes right out of the Word of God. You should read your, read your Bible sometimes. You're going to see this. I'm not trying to be you know, crazy or, or sarcastic or you know, mean. Just read it. Don't, don't. We get our minds on what other people have said and what other people's negative experiences... Read the Word of God. It's gonna, your, your faith is going to... Whoa, I didn't know I had that. And then you have something to stand on. You have something to believe. You have something to fight with. So He gave them... Who is them? The disciples. He gave them the power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then He sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to do what? And to heal the sick. So he put a responsibility on them, didn't he? Go out. Tell people about the kingdom of God and heal the sick. That same power and authority belongs to every single one of us who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. That same power. 
That same authority has been given to us. The Bible said, I quoted it a while ago, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of us. There's, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there is power and authority that's there that we need to learn to access. That we need to learn to, to exercise and to, to execute and to release what's inside of us. There's power and authority to rebuke evil Spirits, there's power and authority to heal all manner of diseases. Does, does anyone believe this? Let me give you some more word. Mark chapter 16. How many ever heard of what's called the Great Commission? Who, who is that for? That's for us. These are the last words of Jesus. He's already been raised from the dead and now He's, he's giving His final instructions to His followers and then He's going to ascend to heaven. And you would think, now everything that Jesus said was very important. Don't, mis, don't misunderstand me. But if he's going to give some last words, you would really think that the last words that he said would be really, really important. Okay? So this is what's called the Great Commission. Most people know the first part, which is to go into all the world and make disciples, to teach these disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew's account. I want to read it to you from Mark's account. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 19. Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now this is still Jesus speaking. Okay? And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name... They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now, people's gotten a little crazy with that. But, uh, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Watch, here's, the, here's where I wanted to get to. They, now who is they? These are, these are people who choose to follow Christ. He says, go in the world and make disciples of all the nations. And these signs are going to follow those people who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now see, we've gotten to a place in, in our Christian walk where we're, we're even hesitant about laying hands on the sick. We'd, we'd rather just stand from a distance and pray and ask God to do something that He's given us the power and authority to do. I'm, I'm telling you, this will change the way that you believe, this will change the way you pray for healing. It'll change what you believe, but it's, I'm teaching you the Word of God. I'm not... Well, I may be crazy, but I, I'm not preaching heresy or anything that's contrary. That's why I always have a lot of Scripture. That, my wife, I'm going to throw her under the bus for a minute. She said a couple weeks ago, she says, man, you had, you had a ton of Scripture. It was almost like overwhelming. I'm like, well, I just, you know, I've always told you before, if my message bombs, at least we will have read a lot of the Word of God. And the Word is what produces change. So, especially when I'm doing a series on healing, I, I want you to see the Word of God. I want you to see what the Word says. So Jesus says these signs are going to follow those who believe. They're, they are going to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now watch this. When Jesus finished saying this, look at verse number 19. After Jesus had spoken this to them, He was received up into heaven and what did He do? Why did He sit down? Because His work was finished. Right? 
He expressed the character of God by healing people. Now he's finished and he says, he says this. Well, let's just go ahead and read it. John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, how I many believe in Jesus? Okay. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. He finished his work. He made it possible for all of us to be born again so that when he ascended to heaven, he could send the Holy Spirit who would indwell every believer. Now, why, why is the Holy Spirit? Yes, he's here to seal us so that we can uh, be forever with the Father, but he's here so that we will have power and authority to do the things that Jesus commanded us to do. Notice it says, in my name will they do this. It's, it, it won't be under our name. It's not going to be under the refuge. It won't be, well, yeah, look what Scott Finley did. This, is all, this will all be in the name of Jesus. So Jesus' work on this earth is over. He's commissioned us. Now He has sat down. He's finished. Now it's up to us to carry out the will of God. It's up to us to rebuke evil spirits. It's up to us to heal the sick. We have to get to a place to where we stop asking God to do things and instead start doing the things that He has commanded us to do. He has given us, the believers, the power and authority to heal the sick. We have to take that seriously. I think a lot of people believe that. Yeah, I have the power to heal the sick. But are we, are we exercising that? Are we going about and, and believing that? I'm going to conclude by reading you this story that's found in Mark chapter number 2. Uh, Twelve verses here. The Bible says this, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that He was back home. Soon the house where He was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. So while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring to him, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Now, I've I've preached several times on this and Actually taking this different directions, but I actually saw this in a new light this week as I was preparing for this message on healing. Verse 6, Some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? Watch this, it's very careful. Watch, watch very carefully. This is blasphemy. This, we've highlighted this because I want you to see this. Only God can forgive sins. So here's what they're thinking. Why? Jesus is saying, I, I, I want to forgive this man's sins. This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Verse number 8. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so He asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Watch this. Verse 10. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So what's He about to do? He's about to prove that He has the power to forgive sins. How is He about to prove that He has the power to forgive sins? 
by healing this paralyzed man. Okay? So Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and says, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised who? They praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. This story right here, and I have never even looked at this this way, but this story helps us to understand why Jesus has commanded us to heal the sick. Because verse 10 says that He proved that He had the power to forgive sins by healing this paralyzed man. Anyone can claim that they have the power to forgive sins. But when you see someone heal a person who's been paralyzed for years and years and years, it's more likely for people to believe that you can forgive sins if you can heal a paralyzed man. Right? So why do you think that the Lord has commanded you and I to heal the sick? I believe one of the reasons, first of all, He, does, he has compassion. He doesn't want to see anyone sick. But secondly, I believe that, that He wants us to do this because what we're doing is we're confirming that the gospel is true. When we heal people, people will look and they will be amazed by God and they will know that if God can heal, then God can surely forgive me. It's proof that the Lord has the power to forgive. The ultimate origin of all disease is sin. The original sin. Okay, now please be careful, because I'm about to share something, and I do not want you to think that if you're sick this morning, that Pastor Scott says you're sick because you've been sinning. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that, that the ultimate origin of sickness is the original sin. That's where it all got started. When Adam and Eve sinned, it brought sickness and pains and all that that's involved in the curse, all of that came as a result of their original sin. If Adam and Eve had not have sinned, there would be no sickness among us today. Sickness, disease, and infirmities are the consequences of the sinful nature which result in the commission of sin. But Jesus died to forgive our sins and to put to death our old sinful nature. So what this means is that the one who has the authority to do away with the consequences of sin is also the one who has the authority to do away with sin itself. To forgive sin itself. I think you can better explain that or understand it with an illustration. I think everyone knows what debt is. and Let's, let's say that you are $50,000 in debt to a bank for whatever reason. Maybe you took out a, a home improvement loan to upgrade your house or you bought a vehicle or whatever. But... Let's say you have $50,000 that you owe to a bank. You are $50,000 in debt. Every month you make a, a principal payment on that amount that you borrowed. But not only do you make a principal payment, but you also make an interest payment. That interest payment is the result of having debt. Are you, are you following me? If you don't have debt, you don't have an interest payment. 
So the way that you get rid of the interest payment is to eliminate the debt. The one who has the authority to get rid of the interest payment is ultimately the one who has the authority to eliminate the debt. Do you follow that? In this illustration, debt represents the original sin, which was passed to all of us. The interest represents sickness, which is the result of the original sin. And the only way to stop the interest is to pay off the debt. Who do we know in the Bible that paid in full the debt for our sin? Jesus. So by paying in full the debt for sin, the interest, which is sickness and disease, was also paid for. The one with the authority to heal sickness is the one with the authority to forgive sins. I hope you see that through this illustration. My point is what Jesus did at the cross covered all. We're going to learn this next week. The word saved is the word sozo, which means to be complete, to be made whole. God's will is for us to be healed. And Jesus had authority to heal because of what He did at the cross. He paid off our debt to God and the interest payments were stopped. Jesus' authority to heal this paralyzed man in Mark chapter number 2 was proof that He had the authority to forgive sins. And the reason that He's given you and me the power and authority to heal the sick is so that through those miracles, the world can see that He is God and that He has the authority to forgive them of their sins. In other words, when we as believers begin to heal the sick, it confirms the truth of the gospel to others. As Christians, all of us are disciples of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. A follower of Christ. A learner, if you will. A student, a pupil. Someone who's learning to follow. And as disciples of Jesus, we have been given power and authority over all demons and all sickness. I know this is a... This, I, I, trust me, I, this is a tough message to preach because I know when you start saying things like this, people look at you like, man, you are, you are crazy. We're talking about demons and taking up snakes and all kinds of crazy things in church today. I know it sounds weird. God, this, is, this is what your Bible says. And you can't, you can't believe one section of the Bible and then skip over some pages. Well, just stay away from that section right there. That's some weird stuff. All of it, all Scripture is inspired by God and written for our learning, for our understanding so that we may be faithful followers of Christ. So the Lord has given us power and authority as believers over all demons, over all diseases. However, unfortunately, for centuries, this authority to heal has lain dormant and has not been used by the church. Instead, we just stand by and helplessly wait on God to do something that He has given us the power and authority to do. He's already done it. It is finished. It is settled in Christ Jesus. Now I know this is not something that you're going to just 
get today. This is something that I, I'm, I was praying this week that God would just open your eyes to begin to entertain this idea. To begin to pursue what the Bible has to say. Begin to ask God what He has to say about healing. And, and, and if maybe we've been praying prayers wrong, if we've been looking at things wrongly, for God to change the way that we believe. I believe that today it's time for us as believers to take seriously the power and authority that we've been given. It's time that we learn to exercise and release that power and authority with our faith. And we're going to pick up here next week learning about faith and how to fight this fight of faith and how to hold on to what has already been given to you. When you, have, when you own a car and you have the title of that car, you know that it's yours. And you have proof that it's yours because your name is on that title. And when someone comes to get that and steal that from you, you're going to use that as proof that that belongs to you. They can't have that. That's my car. That's what I want to teach you next week. That's what I want you to know when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our newness in Christ, our, our eternal security, uh, or when it comes to our healing, that that is mine. Here's what the Word says. Devil, you can't have that. And all sickness. Jesus said, or the Bible says that Jesus went about and healed all of those who were oppressed of the devil. The devil will do all kinds of things to keep you oppressed. Sickness is one of those. Now there are some things that we do that bring a lot of sickness on ourselves. And a lot of that we just need wisdom from. But I, I'm here to tell you, here's what I want you to see. God has done His part. He's paid in full. Stop believing that God can do everything and also start believing that, that God has done enough. What He's done through Jesus is enough. I'm going to put my faith in that. Amen? It is finished. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for Your Word today. I thank You, God, for Your goodness. I thank You, God, for, um, for the Bible, the Word of God, Lord, that we have that we can read and that we can apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that, that someone's eyes today were opened. I know that this, the, the topic of healing can be a difficult subject, especially when I know that there are people that are sitting in this room right now who have pain, who have arthritis, who's battling back pains, who's battling other sickness and disease. God, I know that it's very easy for them to, to, to just put this message off and think, well, I've had this for years. I've prayed for years and years. And I guess this is just my, my, uh, my, my burden to carry. Father, I pray that right now, Lord, that You would give them a new understanding and let them begin to approach their healing from a place of victory that it belongs to them already because of what Jesus has done at the cross. God, teach them how to fight the fight of faith. God, teach them to stand on Your Word. Teach them, God, as the Word says, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. God, to speak positively, Lord, to speak words of, of encouragement, to speak the Word of God over their situation. And Lord, I just pray that, that this, these people that are in this room today and those who will watch this online, God, that we would become bold enough to be true disciples of Christ. That we would be bold enough and not ashamed, God, to lay hands on the sick. That we would start taking seriously the power and authority that You have given us. It's already ours. I thank You, God, for the miracles that are going to happen. I thank You, God, for the, the healings that are going to take place. And I thank You for all the souls that are going to come to salvation through what they see done in this body. 
We believe You for great things and we ask that You bless us as we go our separate ways and keep us. Help us to be great examples of You this week. Help us to be the salt and light and be difference makers and lead people to Christ. And we ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.